today and welcome to Charters Towers Christian Outreach Centre and also a big welcome to our podcast ministry and people who are listening on, whether they're running along the beach or at the gym or whatever you're doing, washing the dishes and ironing, there's lots and lots of people who are listening in online and we welcome those people to our fellowship. And uh, the title of my message this morning is Broadway. Who's heard of Broadway? That's what the title of my message is this morning. And I'd like for us just to kick it off, I'd like to read from Psalm number one. And there's only six verses, so just bear with me. Turn to Psalm number one. And uh, I'll start from verse one. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And like that tree that mum was talking about here in communion, he says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Some good promises there for us. The first, verse 4 says, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Verse 5, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. It won't happen. Amen? That's an assurance there. It won't happen. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. One of the greatest things that I love about the Christian faith is that God has set before us a life to be lived. And, but how we live is of our choosing. No one in the Christian faith puts a knife to your throat and says, you have to believe, you must believe, you must do this, and you must do that. God does not micromanage us. He created us. He gave us dominion. We're made in his image. And we go to all the earth to subdue and multiply. But he leaves us ample room for us to set and choose our own path. And our own path is exactly that. You choose. And God has never legislated Christianity. God has never legislated you serving him. It is up to you and you choose. When we preach the gospel, when you preach the gospel with all sincerity, prayerfully and everything like that, we then release for God to be God in those people's lives. And those people's, either their heart is softened by the gospel or it is hardened by the gospel but people choose for themselves. And we're not here to force anybody to believe or to walk in the ways of God. God does not micromanage us. The consequences of those choices in the course of time will reveal much of who we are and our eternal destination will be governed by the choices that we make. So whether we end in one place or end up in another, it is entirely of our own doing and we have no one else to blame whether we end up in heaven or in, an, um, in some other place. In Deuteronomy 28, we can read the blessings and even the cursings that would come upon the people depending on the life choices that the people would make. And Moses, being a prophet of the Lord, they were on the banks of the Jordan and in Deuteronomy 28, which Deuteronomy was written, written in the 30 days prior to going over the River Jordan into the Promised Land. And there is 12 verses of amazing blessing if you choose God. 
12 verses, amazing blessing that can be yours when you choose God. But after it are 54 verses of curses should they decide to walk their own way and walk out from God's protection and walk away from God's blessing. Which is a great pity when God's made provision for the blessing of heaven to rest upon everybody. But you choose. You choose. And so the book of Proverbs, written in large part by Solomon, is a book of wisdom. And there's 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. And I encourage particularly young people and young people in God. Or people who are really finding their way in their faith to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. It is a book of wisdom. And in the book of Proverbs, it shows you and illustrates in every chapter the way of wisdom, which is God, the path of God, or the way of folly and the consequences of choosing life and good and death and evil. Amen? Deuteronomy speaks of that as well in chapter 31. And Moses said, choose life and good or choose death and evil, but the choice remains with you. Nobody, I'm certainly not putting a knife to your throat and saying, you must believe, choose life. No, it's your choice. You choose. And the consequences of your choices are your own. Nobody to be blamed. You cannot blame your father or your mother. You ultimately can't blame government. You can't blame this and you can't blame that. The blame game is so popular these days, we think nobody can take fault for themselves for anything that they do anymore. But God said to Jeremiah, I set before you two ways. I set before you. This is what God said to Jeremiah. This is some years later. Now you shall say to this people, thus says the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. And it was actually speaking regard of going into Babylonian captivity and accepting the Lord's correction in doing that. But there were people who did not accept the Lord's verdict and they wanted to still defend themselves and go against the Babylonian captivity, which was futile because God was with the Babylonians to bring correction to his own people. Sometimes correction comes our way and we are to accept God's correction. Amen. The word of God is there to correct. Amen. That's what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. So there is a way of the righteous when we can see in Psalm 1 that there is two ways to walk. And there is a way uh, of walking in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the path of sinners, or sitting in the seat of the scornful. You can scorn the things of God. You can scorn people, the people of God. You can scorn, you can sit in judgment of them. Or you can ridicule them. That's what the press does every day of the week. Amen? And they're allowed to do it. They sin because there's no such thing. We don't legislate Christianity. We just walk with it and we cop it sweet. Difficult at times, but that's exactly what we do. We come under the ridicule of the nations of the earth. In fact, Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's you and I. The rulers of the earth take counsel together to come against God's people. Amen? That's what they will do. And they will do it till the day uh, that we're called home or the day of the rapture comes. It'll happen and continue to happen. So if you're trying to win a popularity contest by being a Christian, hang it up because it's not going to happen. You are not going to be Mr. Popularity or Mrs. Popularity while being a Christian. And the sooner that you and I understand this, the better off we'll be. Because we'll toughen up and toughen up princess, that's what they say. 
and uh, steal up, harden up, get a backbone, intestinal fortitude and all those sort of things. And uh, I believe my, one of my callings is to toughen up the church. Amen? Toughen up the church. Call the church to toughen up. To stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Might. The way of the unright or the righteous or the way of the ungodly or the sinner is shown you here in Psalm 1. It says the, the way of the righteous, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. So there will be fruit. We all grow fruit in our lives. Some will be really, really good fruit and sweet fruit. Others is bitter, distasteful, disgusting. Amen. We all produce fruit in our lives, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. Or whether even in the household of God, some people have an ability to produce tremendous fruit and others are so difficult to bear with. Amen? Very difficult to bear with. Joshua said to the people, choose this day whom you will serve. You see, he didn't put a knife to anyone's throat. He said, choose this day. But he, said for, he spoke for himself, but as for me and my household, in other words, you can have influence of the people and you can be a godly influence. I ask you today, are you a godly influence to you and your children. If your children follow you, will they be worshippers? Will they, will they sit there with their arms folded and never stand to their feet and put their hands in the air and, and just worship God? Or will they people who will walk away from God? They'll scorn God. You see, we all have an influence. Are you an influencer for good, as the Bible would say? Or are you a person who scorns the things of God and makes it difficult for even your children? Spoke to a guy at the gym yesterday, a young bloke, and so many people are inquiring about the things of God. Fantastic. Great conversation. And I said, my generation will be accountable for robbing your generation of the gospel. Because we've not preached the gospel. We've taken Bibles out of your schools. We've forbidden prayer. And when we do pray, it's some pathetic prayer because we're not allowed to show that we actually believe what we pray. And this generation, these young ones... Oh, I believe the Lord won't be deprived of this young generation. And I, as we prayed in the prayer meeting, I believe that the Lord is going to use the devil for a stepping stone to win this generation who has overplayed his hand. Amen? Oh, give the Lord a praise. Come on. Let's give the Lord praise. Each of these two ways that we choose to travel, because we're talking about two ways here in Psalm number one. One is called heaven and the other is called hell. Oh, is that, can we still say hell? Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, says Hebrews 9.27. After life comes a death, a physical, after the physical death, and, but then we will be raised to, there is also two resurrections. And you will be raised to eternal life or raised to eternal damnation. And where you are destined to go will be determined by the path that you walk on now. But you choose. You can't blame anybody. If you end up in a destination, you think, how the heck did I get here? Who can I blame? Nobody. Nobody. Because Jesus was always willing to stand beside you as an advocate in the courtroom and throne room of heaven to plead your case, by which he has never lost a case. Jesus has never lost a case. You appoint him as your attorney. He stands before the Father. He says, he's one of mine. My blood has washed and cleansed him as white as snow. His sin is not atoned for. There is no sin. It's gone. Amen? Justify had never sinned. That's what justification means. 
But one, can we talk freely about, and most conversations we can talk about heaven. Most conversations we can talk about heaven just about anywhere. We can go down the pub and talk about heaven. But even in Christian circles, people cry fire and brimstone when you mention this place called hell. Do people believe in hell anymore? By the way that we live, you would think they don't. Even in the church community, people live lifestyles that are so contrary to the word of God that you would think they only believe in heaven and that everybody's going there. Just because we're sitting on a, on a chair in a church, we think we've automatically got a ticket to heaven. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's called deception. To totally disregard the word of God and live lifestyles that are contrary to it, we think we can live under the blessing when the hedge of protection is not around us. We're kidding ourselves. But there is a way of life and there is a way of death. And Jesus in my heart is that the people would choose life. As Joshua said, choose life. As Moses said, choose life. As Jeremiah said to the people, choose life. He's always pleading. The New Testament is filled with the word of God, which causes people to choose life. Because that's why Jesus died on the cross, that you would choose life. But there is a way of life and there is a way of darkness. There is light and there is darkness. When the light of God comes in, darkness must flee. But you still must choose light. We have to choose light in our day-to-day decision-making processes. Even when speaking to the taxation department. Now there's a test for us all. We've got to choose light. Amen? Be up front and be clean. Heaven or hell. The name of the road on which we walk on is taken by the destination that, that it takes us. And uh, so the way that you take will depend on whom you will serve. You say, which path will I walk on? Which path will I run on? And, uh, and that, that is a free choice. And so without thought, I see the masses of humanity who give so little thought to eternal, their eternal destiny. You and I as a spirit, John 4.24 says that God is a spirit. And that makes it you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. So you and I are a spirit. We have a mind and we operate out of a body. So we are spirit, soul, and body, a three-part being, as God himself is a three-part being, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But you are a spirit. You have a mind. You're not an intellect. You have an intellect. You're not an intellect. Great philosophers would say that, oh, you're just an intellect, and when you die, the worms will eat you, and that's the end of the story. But it's not so. And that's why God has placed, it says in, in, the, in Ecclesiastes, that God has placed eternity into the hearts of men of every woman and child, every man, woman and child. And that's why you see the things of uh, supernatural themes are throughout all our entertainment. Supernatural themes. If it were not so, why is it that we have this fixation about it? Why is there a fixation with the occult if, if the things of the supernatural were not real? You see, the things of the spirit are more real. And then... And uh, then, uh, then anything else. So there are two kingdoms, and many people serve the God of this age or Satan by default. They just jump on this highway. They've, they've never even approached the highway of holiness. But they're on a highway. If the highway was described as a, as a river, they just swept up with the flow, or they're swept up with the current of humanity, not considering our eternal destinies. And the Western world has been blinded to the eternal destiny of men, women, and boys and girls. We think there is none. What a lie of the devil. What a lie of the devil. Or we just say, oh, there's a heaven, but there's no hell and there's nothing else. But there are two kingdoms. 
you will in time reveal to yourself there is also a, a wheat and tares. The Bible talks about a wheat and a tear. And there are even in sitting in the church, the Bible says, let the wheat and the tares, that's even in the church itself. That's not speaking about out there, but it's speaking in the church. So in this church right now, there are wheat and there are tares. And we think, oh, not in this small congregation. I tell you, there is. And the only way you can tell a wheat from the terrors under a microscope because one is opposite. There's a, there's a grain running through a tear which is opposite to a wheat. And so from the external or naked eye, you cannot tell the difference between a wheat and a tear. Amen? And the, and the book of Judges ends, ends up in a sad note. It says that everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. And serving God un, uh, under the guise of serving yourself and serving the God of self is still not serving God, amen? Serving God absolutely on your own terms and your own conditions is still serving the God of self. And that's why some people find it very, very difficult to fellowship. They're just off doing their own thing and they will serve God on absolutely their own terms and their own conditions. Who is that serving? It's serving the God of self. What way are those people on? They are on a way that will perish. Amen? And everybody's grieved when this happens. And so there are two harvests which grow side by side. And so there are two harvests which will be reaped at the end of the age. Matthew 25 and uh, calls it, there are the sheep and the goats. And the Lord says at the final judgment that the, that the sheep will be on his right hand, oh, sorry, the, the sheep will be on his right side and the goats will be on his left. Amen? Which sort of reminds me of the left and right of politics. It's a broad statement, but lots of things do ring true in regard to that. I know I'll upset somebody now. But Jesus in so many parables spoke of the kingdom of God, as in Matthew's gospel, or the kingdom of heaven, as in Luke's gospels. More than 10 or 12 references in each. To each one of those. So there's the kingdom of God. And Matthew 8, 11 says, And I say that, this is Jesus speaking, And I say that to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 12 it says, But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, that's a harsh message, isn't it? It's a harsh message. And you say, does that contradict one another? And so, but these verses describe a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. I mean, two separate kingdoms. Two separate kingdoms. And uh, Jesus here is speaking of two different kingdoms. They are not one and the same. And so in a, in a similar manner, in Luke 13, 24, Jesus is speaking together and he says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. And as an athlete trains himself and goes for the goal. He goes for that ticker tape at the end. He puts every effort into That word there is talking about make every effort to enter through the narrow gate. Make every effort to do it. It's not something that will happen by accident. It is some, it's a conscious decision to pursue the ways of God. A conscious decision. If you and I were to go to Melbourne, it would be a conscious decision to fuel up our car, get a map, work out the way to go, and begin to drive. It's a conscious decision. It just doesn't happen by itself. You just don't turn in your car, put on the accelerator, and wherever it takes you, that's where you're going to end up. You won't end up in Melbourne that way. It is a conscious decision. So, so too is heaven a conscious decision. 
It's a conscious decision. People say, oh, I'll... many people talk about heaven and they'll say, or hell, and they'll say, I'll find out uh, in time. I'll find out when it all happens. But God has given us assurance in his word. God has given us assurance in his word of eternal salvation. Amen? And so we have no one to blame. So the last will be first and the first will be last. And so that's a, a different situation that comes together in other scriptures as well. But it's talking about there the Pharisees who thought that the Pharisees were of the Jewish people and they thought just by their heritage, just by their teaching, because they were born in this tribe and all, they would have automatic automatic entry into heaven but Jesus nullified that and he says the first will be last and the last will be first and he was speaking about the Gentiles who would readily accept Christ as their Lord and Savior but the Jewish people at that time and for nearly 2,000 of years have rejected Christ as their Savior but originally the first church was all Jewish all those who were present at the day of Pentecost when 3,000 were saved they were nearly all Jewish all Jewish and then the gate was open and Gentiles came in from all over the world. Amen? And so, two kingdoms, two destinations, two judgments. At the end of the day, when you and I die, there will be two ju judgments. One to eternal life and one to eternal damnation. The Bible's clear. It doesn't, it's not obscure. It's not hidden. It's not cryptic or anything like that. The Bible is to be read by everyday people plowing the field. That's what it was designed to be read by. Two judgments, two roads, two ways. As there were two trees in the Garden of Eden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, they could choose, amen? Choose life. Choose life has been the consistent gospel message from the book of Genesis right through to the book of Revelation. It's a consistent. The gospel message is thousands of years old. It's not 2,000 years old. No, it's not at all. It's thousands of years old. The Christian message or the gospel message since the days of Christ was the progressive revelation of God to man through the person of Jesus Christ. And so is everybody saved? And the answer, Jesus said himself, he says there are few who find it. And why does Jesus say there will be few? I've been to a lot of funerals over the years and perhaps you have too. And the Bible says that we are saved by faith through grace, as in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Faith means believing, which is the verb. It's a doing word. You actively believe God. You actually actively believe in the resurrection of Christ, that his blood shed was cleansed you all from sin and that you are made righteous in Christ. That's the, that's the whole basics, Christianity 101. That the just shall live by faith, it goes on to say in Romans 1.17. But we think when we go to a funeral, it's justification by death. That just because that person's died, he's in heaven. And we bring a message which, which says that. That all go to heaven despite how we lived and who we have placed our faith in. I've been to so many funerals. So many funerals. And probably that's a probably... I went to some, one funeral and that was probably the only... That's the only service that he ever attended was his funeral. Never seen him in a church since he was a kid. But everybody said he was a good bloke. He'd give you the shirt off his back. He'll be in heaven. Cheers, mate. We'll have a Bundy rum for you. That's the Aussie message, isn't it? Is that the gospel message that we preach? But we condone it. We nod our heads and, we, and we're moved. At a funeral, we are motivated by compassion. I understand everybody's compassion. 
But there is not a conviction of the word of God, and a conviction of the word of God is higher than your compassion. Particularly when it comes to family and extended family and this and that and friends and people of our community, our heart goes out to them in compassion. But it should not override the conviction of the reality of the word of God. Amen? It's a tough message, isn't it? But it's one that needs to be preached. And it's one. A place in heaven, we think, is guaranteed by the testimony of all present at the funeral that this bloke, he would have given you the shirt off his back. And ignoring that all our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags before God in heaven. In other words, our best intentions, our best motivations, our best actions, our best gifts are as filthy rags before God in heaven. Amen? Because his standard of righteousness we can't comprehend. God is a holy God. And with the holiness of God comes his glory. But the glory will destroy somebody who has no faith in God. The glory of God is a dangerous thing if you are not righteous before God. What? And we are the righteousness of God in Christ. In other words, it's not our own righteousness that brings us before the throne of grace, but it is the righteousness of Christ that we receive into our heart and is on the basis of Christ's righteousness that we can stand before the throne of grace. Amen? Isn't it a good message, though? Because these are spiritual truths which we very, very rarely hear from a pulpit these days. In John 10, 7 and 9, it says one of the seven descriptions or titles of Jesus that he has of himself. In John's gospel, there are seven titles that Jesus gives himself. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the door to the sheep and all those sort of things. I am, I am, I am. And it's, and it's really a, a reiteration of what, what God said to Moses, I am that I am. Amen? And so Jesus, sounding like his father speaking, says, I am the way the truth, and the life. In, J in John chapter 7, verse 9, he says, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So I see two roads. I'm standing here, and there's a fork in the road. Or really, there's a massive big road, and it's leading to hell. That's what it is. And on the right, there's a small road. It's a narrow road. It's even a narrow gate. It doesn't even seem to be amazingly well marked. You have to look for it because there is a pearl of great price. And if you're after a treasure, you look intently. And for you to find the truth, you have to look intently for it. If you have no interest in the truth, you will never find it. But if you will determine in your heart, you say, I don't have a faith in Christ. Well, I say, look for him. Look for him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And we, when, what happens when you look for the truth with a good heart, with a clean heart, and to say, I will make a decision based on what I will find, not my predetermined disposition of unbelief. And with the evidence that is presented, there is no shortage of evidence for the gospel message. No shortage. Do you want historical evidence, geological evidence, scientific evidence? There is mathematical evidence. All these spheres of influence. The greatest, one of the greatest mathematicians that Russia ever produced was a guy called Ivan Panin. Brilliant mathematician. And he knew that the original Hebrew had numerical values. He also knew that Greek had numerical values to it. The only two languages that had numerical values. So he said, I will disprove the Bible through numerics. 
But Ivan Pannon, one of the world's greatest mathematicians, in 30 days, you can, you can Google it for yourself, his findings after 30 days are mind-boggling and staggering. And then he spent the next 30 years of his life looking at the numerics of the Bible. What he found was just absolutely mind-boggling, and he knew that it was the finger of God upon the Word of God. God proved him and met him where he was at, mathematically, amen, scientifically. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, this is Jesus once again, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way to the, that leads to destruction. The title of my message this morning is Broadway. Is Broadway. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. We think that the masses of humanity are all heading for heaven when actually that is not so. I wish it was so. It is God's intent. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, Jesus paid the penalty for all sin, for even for those who rejected him outright and whose eternal destiny is not with him. But he paid for their sin just the same. But isn't it amazing that the way of righteousness is a difficult way? And we think, oh, unbelievers will say, but look at you Christians, life looks difficult for you. And it can be, and it is. I have found it very, very difficult on a personal level, on many levels. It is difficult to serve the God. It has not been an easy way, but it is the right way. Does it mean because it's a difficult way? If you want to succeed in life, do the difficult. Do the difficult. And God has called us to do the difficult. In the midst of a perverse and crooked generation, God has called us to be lights in this world. Amen? Holding fast the word of life. Holding fast. Paul pleads in his writings on how we should live. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. In other words, in other words, he says, I implore you, I urge you, and I beg you. This is Paul speaking. Jesus says the same. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Paul is pleading, he's imploring, he's urging people to not be like the world. To not be like the world. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove whether there's a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a perfect will of God for each and every one of us. Not just a permissive will, but there is a perfect will of God. And you can, work, and you can walk it by making the right choices on an everyday basis. You think it's just the big decisions in life that determine where you end up? I have found that it is the small incremental steps that you and I make on an absolute day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute basis, progressively in the way of righteousness. There is a way, there is a road of righteousness, there is a highway of holiness that we're all called to walk, to run, amen, and to accomplish and to persevere and to press in, to obtain and apprehend. These are the things, they don't come, they don't come easy. If you want easy street Christianity, be very, very aware. Be very careful, be very careful about this easy street Christianity which so many are proponents of this day. Because in this day of apostasy, easy Christianity is being promoted in pulpits all around the world in absolutely every denomination, bar none, bar none. 
I beseech you, I implore, I urge you, I urge you today to walk the highway of holiness, to walk it. Holy, acceptable, separated from the term called the madding crowd. And there is a madding crowd out there. What does it mean to be away from the madding crowd? As that book said, far away from the madding crowd. And to be far from the madding crowd is to be removed either literally or figuratively, from the frenzied actions of a large crowd or from the bustle of civilization, directly from Google, that little comment there. That's what it says. So what is the meaning of a, a, a madding? It means acting madly or senselessly, insane and frenzied. I would say the world right now is on a road that is frenzied. Millions and billions of people on a broad way, a very, very broad way, a wide road. Millions, billions of people are on this road. You think, oh, the populace are doing, everybody's doing it, must be right. That is the greatest indication that it's not, according to the word of God. Because he said, narrow is the gate and narrow is the way to eternal life and few find it. The fact that you're listening in online, the fact that you're sitting in the house of God means that God is on your case and he wants you to make a decision and to live, not just make a decision, but to be a disciple of Christ. One of the longest streets in the world, 33 miles long, is a street that all of us have heard of and it's called Broadway on Manhattan Island. Amen? And there is a street called Broadway, 33. It's nearly the longest street. I think the longest street in the world's in Canada, I think, 34 miles long. But the street and the district is synonymous with the theater, famous throughout the whole world, and is at the heart of the American commercial theater industry. There are four theaters, massive theaters on Broadway, 41 theaters in the district, amen? And it was given that name because of the broad width of the road and was one of the first streets in New York to be fully illuminated by electric light globes in the 1890s. And it was nicknamed the Great White Way. Doesn't that sound like the great way to go? The Great White Way. Amazing, eh? The Dutch initially settled New Amsterdam and uh, taken over later. They were ousted. The indigenous population were ousted by the Dutch and the Dutch were ousted by the English. It's a continuous story of humanity. And there they were, and the Dutch called it, I think, the Broadway in Dutch. It was translated directly, the Broadway in English. But I have found that the, that the Broadway in life is the path of least resistance. Because everybody's going that way. You just get caught up in the flow. You just get caught up in the traffic. And it's much easier to go with the traffic than go against it, isn't it? There is a way of the multitude. We think, oh, that must be right. There is the way of the masses. We're just convinced because so many billion people are going this way that it must be right. How could so many people be stupid? We think that can't be right. But the truth is, so many people are stupid. In the realm of the spirit, they are blinded. The devil has blinded or put a veil over their eyes and they neither can comprehend the truth or have an ability to do so because their heart and conscience is as seared as with a hot iron as talked about in Romans chapter 1. Your heart can become seared when you reject the gospel and cons consistently reject no, no, no. Your heart becomes harder and harder and harder. Where it, if you open up your heart to the gospel and penetrate, allow the gospel message to soften your heart, 
All your life will be transformed. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. But there is a popular way. There is a way of the populace. And we take a census. And the, and the people think this. There is the common way. It's what everybody is doing. Feasting and playing is a common thing. Amen? Has broad appeal. Feasting and playing. What attraction there is there fasting and praying when you can be feasting and playing? Amen? What attraction is there for the common man to fast and pray when he can feast and play, said one of our great <coughs> evangelists. But I call it the bright lights of hell, as Broadway was one of the first streets in history to be totally lit up, overlit up. Broadway, one of the biggest streets in the world, totally lit up, and everything that happened on Broadway. You think oh, all good things happen on Broadway? In the 1970s, there was a production called Hair. And it was the first production where everybody appeared nude on stage. Oh, what a breakthrough for humanity, amen? What a breakthrough. This is Broadway. I call it the bright lights of hell. Or it's like chocolate-coated gravel. It tastes so fantastic from the outset, but you end up with gravel in your mouth. That's sin. That is the broad way that the most of the world is walking. But there is a highway of holiness that God has called us to walk. Not popular. Oh, you, know, you won't be popular. No way in the world. Psalm 1 describes the way of the righteous and the way of the godly. And it finishes with this sad note. He says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows your way. And there is eternal life waiting for you. It is a crown of righteousness that you will wear. And that crown, is, and, that crown and robe of righteousness is actually Jesus' crown, which he's just put on you. It's not something that you could ever earn. No way in the world. He says, but the way of the ungodly or the way of the sinner shall perish. That is a scriptural fact. Three quarters of the Bible is prophetic. And three quarters of prophecy in the Bible has already been fulfilled. The Bible prophesies that the way of the ungodly shall perish. It'll fade away. It'll be gone. Amen? So this is the way that is set before you today. Moses said, choose life. Joshua said, choose this day who you will serve. So you not only choose the path, but you choose who you will serve. Does who you will serve depend on the path that you take? Or does the path that you take choose the whom you will serve? And both are true. Both are true. If you choose righteousness, you will serve God. Amen? If you serve God, you will take the path of righteousness. You see how the both are interact. Both you can be saved. But the same is true the other way. It says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It seems right to a man to walk this broad way. And you can choose, I'm going broad way. I'm going for the lights. I'm going for the action. I'm going for the popularity. I'm going for the approval of men. It feels so good. While losing the approval of God, what a great cost. What a great cost. And so even though this entrance and path to the broad way is so broad and so massive, Deuteronomy 32.25 says, it's an extraordinary scripture. It says that their foot shall slip in due time. The broad path to the things that are not of God is a beautifully paved because so many people have invested in this road. It's the paving is good. 
It's smooth. It, it makes way for you. It's easy for you to travel on this broad way. I mean, it's easy. It's easy going. And so, but the, even though the broad, the, the broad way is so broad, it's so easy, it's so flat, it's so unjust, it's so lovely. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32.25 that their foot shall slip in due time. It's a promise. And in other words, if you are walking on this broad way, you are now in a false sense of security. And there will be a day of reckoning that is coming. And it's not going to be pretty. And so this is why Paul says, I urge you, I implore you, I beg you, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One way wins the approval of men, but the other wins the approval of God. Whose approval do you want today? Whose approval do you want? Because the bloke who's sitting next to you or the woman who's sitting next to you will not be standing with you in the judgment. You will be on your own. And parents, when you're guiding and raising up your children, are you promising your children that you will be standing with them in the judgment? And you've deterred them from a living faith in Christ? Made no effort to, to raise your children in the ways of God of which this generation has pathetically let our guard down for? Tremendous accountability will this generation be because we have made it almost impossible for this young generation to believe in Christ and to walk with God. And we'll be held tremendously accountable for it. And I grieve for this generation. But you can have the approval of men, but how long will that last? And will that a person who you want so desperately to have their approval from, will they stand with you in the judgment? They will not be found because they're standing in the judgment for themselves. But one way finds the multitudes of the earth and the other road is the road less travelled and few find it. But you here today have an opportunity to get right with God. And I know there's people here who need to get right with God. The gate and the path is narrow and the way is often hard. Jesus said the way is hard. The narrow way, the way that leads to eternal life is hard. It's not an easy way. And the gospel message preached that it's just all hunky-dory, it's a prosperity thing, all the blessings of heaven and everything like that just rest upon you. It's hunky-dory, it's amazing, it's rose-coloured and everything's amazing. It's not like that. I've been over 30 years a Christian and I can tell you it's not an easy road. But it is a worthwhile road. I can sleep well at night. I have the peace of God. Do you have the peace of God? Do you have that eternal or that witness within you that if you were to die this, but before you even walked out of this door, if you were to lose your breath today, would you be the, in the arms of a, of a loving saviour? Or will you be in the clutches and tentacles? And heaven is waiting greedily to, to invite you to come. The Bible says that over and over again. The references to hell in the Bible are more numerous than that of heaven. More numerous. And yet the modern church disregards all of hell. Every funeral, that person is gloriously seated at the right hand of the Father. When we know it not to be so, contrary to the word of God, will you be, preach people the truth out of a heart of love? He says to preach the word with truth or preach the truth or preach the gospel with truth. Amen. And uh, preach it with a heart of love. And Jesus said, but there is a higher and holier way for you to travel. It is a glorious way. Will you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour today? Just as Jules comes to the keys, 
Jesus said in John's gospel, he says, I am the door. In other words, I am the gate to this narrow road. And you have to get off the path that everybody is traveling. And you're carried away with the current. And you think, well, Jeff, if I go against the current, how can I be sustained? And the greatest, the most beautiful thing about this message is you are going now against the flow and tide of humanity. But the Holy Spirit now comes within you and you are more than able. You are well able to swim against the tide of humanity. And though we be few in number, though we be few in number, you will not be denied the righteous crown that comes when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is a door. It's a road less traveled. The destination is heaven and the reward is eternal life. Do you like the sound of eternal life? So many people, why would I sit here talking like this if I did not believe it to be so? I was 29 years old and I had disregarded the gospel since I was 14 years old. So for nearly 14 years of my life, I disregarded the gospel. I said it is hogwash. It just tries to make you feel guilty about things. Just try, tries to make you feel... But the, the opposite is true. Because there is a burden of sin on everybody's back until they accept and ask Jesus Christ to forgive them on their sin and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and allow the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is powerful. And He comes to live and to rule and to reign in your life. And there's a peace of God which surpasses, transcends all understanding, will, will guard your heart and mind in these turbulent days ahead. You will be the most peaceful people in all the earth and it will be the greatest testimony to the love of God that the world has ever seen. Amen. Please stand to your feet. Jesus is the door. Yes, we travel. When you receive him, you are now on the road to eternal life. It is a road less traveled. It's not a popular road. It is a difficult road. Anybody who paints it otherwise is not telling you the whole truth, even though we know the gospel message is so rewarding, so beautiful. Oh, I've never felt worse for it. The reward is eternal life. And in Christ, we do not stand at the great white throne of judgment alone, but we stand at the throne of grace, where the Lord is not only just our mediator, but he is our advocate who goes into bat on your behalf. And he says, oh, there's a child of mine. There's a daughter of mine. There's a son of mine. I can vouch for him. He's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Has your life been cleansed by the blood of Jesus? I pray in the name of Jesus. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says today is the acceptable day of salvation. Uh, hell is waiting, anticipating your arrival, thinking that you're, that you're the devil's, amen? That the prince of the air has, has veiled you that your heart is seared as with a hot iron. But the gospel message, this glorious message, can soften your heart. Receive Jesus today. Just do it. Just stand out front. Be courageous. Man and woman of God, stand. Do the most courageous thing. You're in safe hands when you walk out the front today and you say, I'm going to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior today. If you're listening in online, I pray, receive Jesus today. Receive Jesus today. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray right now. If you want to respond to that message, I did it 29 years ago. I responded. And make a, make a response before men because they are witnesses to the decision that you make. 
Let's pray this prayer. I ask that you pray it aloud with me now. Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. I've walked the broad way. It's been covered with chocolate, but underneath is gravel. I repent of my sin. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Because you are the way, the truth, and the life. There is only one way. And his name is Jesus. Thank you, Father, that I'm born again. Of the Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.